0: You're listening to the Fit, Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. Today we have the second half of our episode with Vajin Armstrong. Vajin, as I said last week, is a sponsored athlete and gets to travel all over the world doing ultramarathons. But that's not all. He's many other things, like most of us, we're not just one-dimensional. He's on a journey of self-discovery through his running, but also through meditation and mindfulness. So enjoy this second half. If you haven't, go back and listen to the first half. It was really awesome, and I loved bringing this content to you. Enjoy. Where are you aiming for? Well, that is,
1: that, is, that is a very profound question where I'm aiming for. And so, so let's, let's, like, I'll take it back a little bit um, because, like, for me, there's a few steps that we have to take before we get to what I'm aiming for. And so the first step is, what are my beliefs? Mm-hmm. And so for me, for me, beliefs are fundamental because beliefs determine our experience of reality. It's what we, what we choose to believe. And we often forget that we choose to believe things. Yes, There's there's a few objective facts out there in the world, like maybe the, the speed of light is an objective yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. We don't choose to believe in some of the laws, fundamental laws of the universe, but nearly everything that, that we believe is something that we've chosen to believe. Yeah. And truths, so, that's what
0: we've in conversation I've had with some people about this. It's, yeah, there's a few, yeah. only a few truths that are real truths like the yeah fundamental
1: exactly and everything else seems to be there's we have we have quite a lot of agency in what we choose mm-hmm. to believe mm-hmm. and the thing we often forget is that if we don't ch- choose our own belief system a full belief system is already going to be provided for you by mm-hmm. your culture yeah. so people who say oh you know i don't really believe in anything it's like no 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 you believe in an infinite number of things mm-hmm. because to be able to operate in our culture like to go out the door and to know how to operate in the world, you have to believe a whole bunch of, you have to believe in the value of money, you have mm-hmm. to believe in the value of work, you have to believe mm-hmm. in the value, you know, of driving on one side of the road and not the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a whole bunch of beliefs that all of us have. And most of us haven't taken the time to really find what our own beliefs are. Mm. And so that's something that, that I'm re- I really value is actually trying to be introspective and to be aware enough that I can actually start to, that pass out what I actually believe myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so beliefs as well, beliefs that are really foundational because our beliefs lead to our values. Mm-hmm. So, so what we believe really sort of determines what we value in the world. Yeah. So if we believe that sort of financial success is the most important thing mm-hmm. in the world, that will lead to the value of, you know, financial, you know, stability yeah. and the value of money and the value of possessions. And, and, and this is very much the common story we see mm-hmm. given to us through culture, It's the story of the value of consumerist behavior, the value of material possessions. Um, all of those things are really pushed strongly as, as that's something we should value. And then and then from that, like once you have some values, once you have some beliefs and you have some values, that's when you start having some aim. And so for me personally, the things, things that, I, that I really personally value, I mean, my beliefs and my values are really the value of or the understanding that this world, there's something more than purely material reality going on here. Mm-hmm. Like this is through my own experience. And you know I can't convince anyone else of, of what I've experienced and what I've felt and what, I, what I've seen and but so, so for me, there's some deeper reality here than just purely the material world. Yeah. And so I see, I see the world more as, as a place of, of moral and ethical questions. It's a place where you can come and act out moral and ethical behaviors. Yeah. And so, and so for, for me, the Indian system of reality, they talk about the world being a, the divine lila or the divine play. Mm-hmm. So they see each of us as being a character who's been thrown on stage into some cosmic drama without ever seeing the script. And, and for me, that's what life feels like. It doesn't feel like it's purely just a material um, experience we're having here. It feels mm-hmm. like there's something that feels so real about the characters and the personas that we take on. That that to me feels like there's something fundamental in how I experience the world that, that aligns with that idea of being, you know, this mm-hmm. being a cosmic drama. And then so the idea in a drama is, okay, you know, if I'm a character in a drama, like what, what, how should I act to, to bring the most joy and make the, the drama the most meaningful mm-hmm. and the most exciting and the most entertaining? Um, <laughs> the most drama. entertaining. <laughs> And so, so, so that, that's that's something that I, that I think about a lot. It's like how how could I act out this character that I've found myself playing in this life? Yeah. How can I act out this character in the highest possible ways to make the drama the most entertaining for the most number yeah. of people um, at any one moment? And so, so that's kind of the game that I'm that I'm liking to play. So I travel a lot and I meet a lot of people. And whenever I meet people, I always take the same position. This person knows things that I don't know. And if I'm willing to pay attention and listen Mm -hmm. to them, they might share something with me, which might deepen my, my perspective or my understanding of reality. And so I, I, I find this game so, you know, so unbelievably fascinating and interesting. And everywhere I go, I meet unbelievably interesting people. And I think it's because I have this intention, the intention I have (laughs) Is that this world is is unbelievably interesting and it's full of fascinating people who know things that I don't know. So and when I, I go that. out into the world, I happen to meet people who are incredibly fascinating and will tell me things that I didn't Does know. <laughs> You're attracting them. And and so, so so this is this is a game for me. Because the thing is as well, like we're here for quite some time. You know, we may be here for mm. 70 years or 80 years or 90 years. I'm however, however long we're here. Yeah, however long we're here for. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it seems to me valuable to find a game that you can play for the longest period of time and is, is, is the optimal amount of difficulty. If mm-hmm. you choose a game in life that's too simplistic or too easy, then get you're going to find that you're going to get bored. You, you want the, the, the line between success and failure to be so fine yeah. and you want the game to call out all of your capacities to the highest possible level. And so that's the type of game that i'm interested in playing and so when i'm out here in the world doing things um that's the type of game that i'm trying to play and, and when, it, when it gets to my aims as well my aim is constantly moving slightly as i get better information because in the moment if i start down here and i have the sense that there's some aim that i'm working towards yeah. my my aim is not going to be very clear because i'm too far away from the target mm-hmm. And so as I make progress and I take some steps towards the target, then I will refine my aim slightly and then I'll take a few more steps and then I'll refine, re- re- you know, refine it slightly. As, and so as I'm getting closer and closer to whatever this, this, this aim of mine is, and, and really what I'm aiming for more than anything is, try, is, is, is to understand reality on the most deeply profound level possible. Do you
0: think you'll ever and reach so, that?
1: No, and and that's the great thing about Excellent. it. It's like that was what I was expecting yeah, you to say. <laughs> reality is too profound and too deep and too complex and too beautiful and too mysterious to ever really grasp it. But it's that aiming towards that. So it's and that this, journey, a, isn't it? As you
0: said, which is part yeah. of your, yeah, you're aiming. That that's that's this, the thing. Like practice, if practice isn't yeah for the purpose of becoming the no you never get there. You're just practicing
1: exactly. So so that I think, and it's always hard to put it concretely into you know mm. into language because it's something that I feel mm-hmm. on a deep level and there's, there's a really nice story in um, Zen Buddhism that I like that captures that mm-hmm. and so one of the great Zen masters the first great Zen teacher in Japan first of all studied in China so he studied at a monastery in China for 20 years and he came back to Japan and all of the the, the spiritual people in Japan were fascinated to know what this, this great teacher had learned from his 20 years of studying so they said Dogen, after 20 years of studying at this, this monastery in China, what have you learned? So he looked back at them and he said, I have learned that the eyes are horizontal and that the nose is perpendicular. <laughs> and there's something wonderfully absurd and <laughs> profound about that idea at the same time because they'll tell some people that story and they'll say, what on earth are you talking about? Like, what is the purpose of that? Mm. But the thing is with Zen, Zen is like telling a joke. It's like, it's, you know, you have to, it's not meant to be understood. It's meant to be felt. It has to to land like a joke does. But for me, what he was saying is that he understood something profound about the basic structure of reality. He understood that the eyes were horizontal and the nose was perpendicular. I mean, that's something that, You could say, well, you know, of course you know that, but do you really know that? It's like, do you really know the basic structure of reality? I mean, I would posit that most people don't. Most people are wandering around Mm -hmm. some form of self created story. And exactly. so to actually start, start to, to, to to sort of dig down and to start to understand reality as it really is, you know, below, uh, you know, some more fundamental level beyond all of your stories and the ideas that you're carrying around. That to me is tremendously interesting and exciting. And and the more I, I dive in and, and try and get closer to that, the more I see that there is to learn. So it's, it's a it's, game that will definitely keep me occupied for some time. For,
0: forever, for all of your time. Yes. The, um, yes. <laughs> I, there's an analogy i think i was speaking to somebody about this actually recently who's also a runner and the analogy being when we are running in uh, like a trail and there's always if we get to a corner we can't see ahead. we get to the corner i yeah. think we'll be able to see where we're going but invariably you get around the corner and there's just another corner or another hill and you yeah. get to the top of the hill and there's actually you can't see the whole the whole track as trails often are no. um, you need to go around and up to another, the top of another hill or around another corner before you actually see anything about where you're going. So it's all that kind of, there's always, you know, another peak and there's always another corner when we're doing trail.
1: Yeah. And, and I like the saying, wherever you go, that's where you are. Yes, And I like that too. for me, it's just, for me, it's just a reminder as well that if you don't learn to be happy where you are right here, right now, mm-hmm. you're not going to be happy just because you're in another physical location, or exactly. another physical, or another time timeline. Yeah. You know, even another point mm-hmm. in time. And very often we make that mistake that we don't give ourselves the license to be happy here and now because we're waiting for some other circumstance until we can finally be happy and so it might be that you're waiting until your kids have left home or you're waiting until you've retired or you're waiting till you've got the yacht or you're waiting till you've got the Mm. you know the the holiday home and so we're always putting our our own enjoyment and satisfaction and happiness in life until some future moment and we we forget that when we arrive in that future moment We're still here. We're still in this Mm -hmm. this moment and that future moment at the exact same moment. So if you have never practiced being happy in this moment now, there's no way that you'll know how to be happy just because you're in some future version of this moment. Yeah. So it's it's it's, for me, it's always calling me back to okay, how much meaning and purpose and enjoyment can I find right here, right now, in this moment? And Mm -hmm. it seems that the more you look in the present moment, the deeper it is, the more that you look around you in this present reality, in this present moment, you start to realize that actually everything you're looking for is already here. Yeah. All of the joy, all of the love, all of the mm-hmm. connection, all of the meaning, all of the purpose. It, it, it already exists right here, right now, but it just takes us to be fully present and fully connected with this moment to actually be able to experience and enjoy all yeah. of those things.
0: I love it. So this has turned into more of a uh, mindful moments hour and a half rather than <laughs> which is amazing and what I love um Good. so in order to bring a tiny bit back into the running yes, um please do. <laughs> do you remember that running thing that we both love um how do what does it look like to be a professional running person and have this other side because it, I know obviously they exist together because that's yeah. that's your life but I don't think that exists in that way as as much as it does for you for all professional sports people uh, professional runners so how, how do, you, what do you yeah say?
1: So, so that's that's been a great journey because i had 10 years where I was training really seriously without anything to show from okay. when i started running again until 2010 mm-hmm. 2010 i won my first big race and so suddenly yeah. my running went from something that i could very much focus Purely on my own internal yeah. uh, metrics of success. Mm-hmm. And suddenly when you start winning things and you start getting sponsors coming to you and wanting to sponsor yeah. you and you start getting invites to races, suddenly there's this whole different game yeah. of, of results and expectation mm. and all of these things. And so, so that was wildly interesting to go through that whole journey mm. of learning how to deal with the pressure and how to deal with all of those experiences And not allow it to take me away from my foundational beliefs and values. Mm. And how, like, because I remember in 2013, the TV, like TV3 News in New Zealand, which was, you know, one of our two major news channels, decided to do a big story about me. And I was going over to Australia to race Ultra Trail Australia. And, And so... That, you know, so this was like a two or three minute news story, you know, they filmed me running around in the port hills near my house and, you know, talking about the race yeah. and talking about ultra marathons. And, and, you know, this was very rare. Like it had never really been a thing where they were really covering like, you know, a story like that on, on the yeah. fine time news. And so I remember turning up to ultra trail Australia, like three or four days later. And, you know, it had just, I think they show them the news story on the Friday and they said, if I won the race, they would do a live cut you know, to, to talking about me winning the straight no. I you, outwardly there was like this, you could really take that as a tremendous amount of, you know, stress and responsibility. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, Absolutely. like all these people are going to be watching and you know, what will people think? And like, you know, what if my performance isn't good? Like there's all of those things exist inside you. Like, but it's, it's how much you choose to feed um, the different parts of your being. Because mm. at any moment, thoughts will enter your mind. Mm-hmm. But thoughts can only exist if we feed them with energy and intention. Mm-hmm. So thoughts for me are like clouds passing across the sky. Mm-hmm. And I can choose which clouds I want to focus on. And the clouds that I don't focus on, they still exist, but they just drift across the sky mm-hmm. and slowly drift away. And so I remember heading down to the start of that race And I was so focused on being 100% present in that moment Mm -hmm. and not allowing anything to take me away from that bubble of the here and now. And I really found that the more I connected with myself and the more I stayed focused on my own performance, the better my performance would mm-hmm. be. The more I could bring myself into the here and now and the more I could give myself fully to that experience, the better my performance would be. Wow. And so, the, and, and, and you know, this was over the first few years of sort of competing at that high level. I, I, I started to realize that as soon as I allowed my, my awareness to, to go drift away into what other people are thinking, what other people would think of my performance, what my sponsors would think, you know, what the other runners are doing, mm-hmm. suddenly I would feel weaker and weaker and weaker. Mm-hmm. And as, as soon as I brought myself back to controlling myself and putting as much effort into my own performance and trying to do that as, as well as I possibly could, the more energy I would have, the more enthusiasm, the more joy I would get. Mm-hmm. And so it was really a game of learning to, to, to it, was, it was a high stakes game of learning to play the game in the present moment. And so for me, I'm so grateful for that experience because I think it, it honed my ability to be in the moment much more powerfully than if I was playing games with lower stakes. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful for my running you know like all of the experiences i had were amazing but the lessons that i learned from playing that game have been so richly rewarding and have helped me in so many other areas of my life that's like a it's, superpower it, really it's like a, it's like it? a superpower to develop yeah it's like it's like a school it's like a, because the thing is well you're doing something really hard it's like you know these races if you're racing 100 k in the mountains it's mm. always hard and so there's always some part of you that you're fighting against yourself and so mm. To do well in these, these races, you have to really get yourself aligned. You have to align yourself, your body, mm-hmm. your mind, your heart. Everything has to be pulling in the same direction. And so for me, it's been a wondrous um, training school to be able to put these spiritual ideas into practice and actually see if they work. Because an idea for me should be like a tool. It should be something, a, a good idea is a tool that you can take into your life, put it into practice, and you mm. can get a measurable outcome. And so all of these spiritual ideas that I play around with, Mm-hmm. For me, I really try and put them into practice in my life to see, do these things actually work in the world? Mm-hmm. And if they don't, I have to get rid of them. And so I'm so grateful that I've, I've had exposure to all of these spiritual ideas. And so for me, things like love, gratitude, acceptance, um, these are really the key and fundamental ideas that I actually try and use when I'm doing ultramarathon. And I've found them so richly rewarding and so powerful as tools to use in these races that it's 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 been wonderful because for me now they have real strength and reality that's not just an abstract um, idea they actually have a practical grounding in the world and i've seen them work and so that gives me a lot of faith and trust in these 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 qualities and these ideas that i have because i've actually seen that these when i bring them to bear on my life they actually improve the quality of my life
0: what's your motivation now to keep racing yeah, so that's changed
1: a lot. And so mm-hmm. when you're younger and when you start playing these sorts of games, you think that the the outer reality has is is what you're looking for. You think getting some some external validation mm-hmm. and you know getting some some podiums or winning things you, you, that still seems really really important. And then over time, it, it's also part of maturity. I think is what well. I think a lot of runners you know, at some point in the life, the time is the most important thing, you know, Mm. it's that 20 Mm. minutes for 5k or a three hour marathon. And then at some point, as you continue on in the journey, either you still keep attached to the result, and and perhaps you start to lose your enthusiasm and lose your joy, Mm. because you start to realize that you're not going to reach those goals anymore, you can't Mm -hmm. have those times anymore. Mm -hmm. And so either you transform yourself, and you find a new meaning and purpose, or you slowly fall out of love with the activities that you love mm. so much.
0: You and you and, and,
1: and move for to trail. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's, it's always a great reminder because I remember as a young boy, the reason I fell in love with running was how I felt in the moment when I was doing it. Mm. It was never about the results. It mm-hmm. was like the results kind of that comes later on as, as people externally start to validate what mm. you're doing. But it, for most people who get into running, it's how you felt in that moment and that sense of exploration and that sense of personal achievement and transcendence of what you thought was mm. possible when you do your first 5K and your 10K and all of those things. So there's something really internal about the experience. And so more and more now, I get more and more meaning and purpose from my running from the way I can use it to connect with other people. So, mm-hmm. especially some of the athletes I coach. Um, some of the other runners that I choose to train with and people yeah. I spend time with running, so it becomes a real vehicle for community building yeah. and for the shared experience. And and it's still it's for me one of the most wondrous ways to experience the world. I'm, I'm up in the Pyrenees at the moment in a town called font Rameau, and I'm just surrounded by beautiful and amazing trails. And so every day I can get out there and you know spend several hours just exploring and running new trails. And and for me. there's nothing that I enjoy more than exploration, connection, being in the moment, um, being able to challenge myself still through the training. And and I still get so much benefit from the training. Like I still feel that me, the process, uh, the practice of running on a daily Mm -hmm. basis really keeps me grounded. It keeps me humble as well. And and I think that's one really important thing because so many of the problems I see around us in our our Western culture come from a lack of humility. Mm. And, and so, so many of the people we see in positions of power or authority, if they could just become a little bit more humble, if they could just mm. go out there and run an ultra marathon and get really humbled and broken down, they would start to see that their limits of their wisdom are finite. Like all yeah. of us, we're, we're limited by our own ignorance. And, and so having the humility, like humility to me is being acutely aware of your own limitations. Mm. And so we kind of think of humility. Often we kind of think of some sort of, you know, false modesty, or we think of some sort of, um, just sort of some sort of negative self um, view. But for me, it's it's being really practical. It's like when we're truly humble, we really understand our own capacities, our mm. own our own limitations. And so that's actually probably the strongest possible position you can do anything from. Because when you really understand who you are. And you, stand what you're, you understand what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. You know, obviously you want to play around with those edge, edges and you want to push those things out. But it, it, when you're humble, you allow other people to come into your life yeah. to help you. Yeah. You realize that this person is far better at this task than I am. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go to that person and ask for their help. You know, you realize that this person over here is far wiser um, when it comes to this situation mm-hmm. than you are. So you go to them and you ask for their advice. So instead of having to have this, you know, really strong sense of personality where I have to know everything mm-hmm. and I have to have an opinion on every possible topic, which seems to be something that gets celebrated in, in our culture at the yeah. moment, strangely enough. But when you've got that position of humility, you don't need to know. Like, you know, if, if mm-hmm. I don't know about a topic, I'm not going to have an opinion on. I don't feel the need to have an opinion
0: on every you know, single everything. topic. under yeah. the That's what Google's for.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and having that freedom to actually go to others and say, hey, look, you know, I value your ability in this field. You know, yeah. Can you help me a little bit? You know, can yeah. you show me what you know? And, and that, seems, that seems like there's so much growth available coming from that place of humility. And, and when we when we run on a regular basis and train, um, we it, it keeps us humble because mm. we're constantly playing the game of our own limitations. Yeah. You know, I can, I can in my own internal story, I can be as amazing as I want, but I can go out and if I try and run three-minute Ks, you know, I, I, I bump up against the limits of my own capacity and I yeah. get really humbled and I realize, realize, you know, I can't run an endless number of three-minute Ks. You know, I have, I have some finite limitations here. And so I really love that because that always keeps me grounded and connected back to that idea of humility. Have you ever been injured? Yeah, I have, I have, I mean, the last 10 years, actually, since I, since I started getting more and more into the longer events, I've got limited less and less, funnily enough. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I have had times, especially everyone, when they're building up, their running is going to get interested it's part of the yeah. game. And, and it's always interesting experience because it really shows you a lot about your your mental state like how am i using my running am i using my running as you know a positive force for good in my life or am i using it as as a crutch or an addiction that i use to try and you know keep myself sane and and you know when you get injured you really those things start to become more and more clear and obvious you know is my relationship with running a healthy relationship or an unhealthy relationship you know is, is it more of the relationship between an addict and the fix or is it the relationship of someone who has a practice that they value and they do it because of that reason and so how would you
0: change so, it if you if you suddenly discovered that actually i'm addicted to this thing called running and it's not necessarily in a healthy way even though it's a healthy endeavor yeah how do you Cause that's, how, what would you do how would you change that that's yeah that's how a really good it? question and know.
1: it's it's a it's <laughs> a it's a funny thing because, you know, when we talk about addictions, we, mm. we're normally talking about negative addictions, but we exactly. never really talk about healthy addictions because mm. for most people, they think, okay, you know, if you're addicted to, you know, cigarettes or, you know, um, alcohol or, you know, hard drugs or something, we can see that obviously that that's, that's a negative addiction. But how do we talk about, you know, people's addiction to dopamine through social media? Yeah. Or how do we talk yeah. about people's addiction to through dopamine, through, you know, running or yeah. or things like that? So, so we don't have a very good um, position, I don't think, or, or language mm-hmm. to, to actually understand that. And, and I think we all we all need like, f- f- to become more conscious and aware oh, yeah. on mm-hmm. a daily basis. And, and that's yeah. what the practice is for. And so the practice, whether your practice is mindfulness or meditation mm-hmm. or running, what I would say is on every day you go out and you do your practice, True, like you know, if we talk about bringing mindfulness into running, because that's mm. a really interesting topic. Mm. You know, I would say at some point in your run, spend ten minutes and try and be as mindful as possible. So try and bring all of your awareness into that present moment. Mm-hmm. And you could do that through using a cue. It might be focusing on your breathing So for the next yep. ten minutes, I'm just mm-hmm. going to focus on the breath. Or it might be the sound of your foot strikes on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so, so whatever it is, bring yourself as completely into the moment and pay as much attention as possible and you know that will feel incredibly difficult to start Mm -hmm. so if even doing that for two or three minutes to start was incredibly difficult because your mind constantly is pulling your attention away through thought yeah and so you need to constantly bring yourself back but if you can really focus on that practice and really start to develop some some skill in the practice of mindfulness You can then bring that mindfulness into other areas of your life. And so you can bring it into your day-to-day life. You can bring it into your relationship. You can bring it into your work life. You can bring it into, you know, you can bring it back into your sporting Mm. life. And you start to actually see your intentions and the, because if you can start to become more conscious and aware in the moment, you begin to become less and less reactive. Mm, And being conscious and aware in the moment is a powerful position. Being reactive is a really weak position. Mm -hmm. When you're reactive, you have no control in how you react. Mm. When someone says something to you or acts towards you in a certain way or makes you feel in a certain way, when you're completely caught in that experience, you'll react with anger Mm. or frustration or hatred or you'll shout or you'll do something. And very often when you look back on that moment, you think to yourself, God, I wish I didn't act like that. Mm. And the funny thing is it's you. It's you did that action. But what we were lacking in that moment was the attention and the consciousness. And through a a mindfulness practice, you learn to become more still and more mindful and Mm -hmm. more present. And what that does is it gives you you an extra second there or half a second. And so when someone does something that's going to annoy you, Instead of immediately reacting, if you can have a half second where you think, oh, I'm feeling like this is how I'm go- I I want to react. Mm. But I also realise that I have a choice in that moment. And then you can yeah. allow yourself not to react in that way. You can choose the different pathways. And that suddenly starts to become an incredibly powerful tool to use in your life. If you suddenly start to have a half second gap where you can make better decisions Another with choice. your reaction, mm-hmm. you can suddenly make new choices and my, my teacher said to me, um, uh, he said, make healthy choices and perfection will be yours. And very often when we think about changing our life, we think about, oh, I need to do a six month, you know, digital detox and I need to do a ju- juice fast, and I need to go to Bali for two months, you know, you know, have cupping done and mud pack therapy. And this. we think of these really external things and these really yeah. drastic changes. But those don't seem to be the things that make lasting changes in, in our lives. It seems to be if on a day-to-day basis, yeah. you can make one better decision than you made the day before. Because, mm-hmm. because every day we've got an infinite number of decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And if we look at every single decision we make, are we making a healthy decision or an unhealthy decision? Are we mm-hmm. making a life enlarging and fulfilling decision or a sort of a life-destroying decision. And it might be when you come home from work and you sit down and you've got that moment where am I going to get my phone out and you know scroll through Instagram mm-hmm. for half an hour or an hour or am I going to go practice mindfulness for 10 minutes yeah. or go sit in my garden or yeah. practice an instrument or learn a new skill or all of those things and And it's just those small moments of making slightly better decisions that over time those incrementally build up like yeah. tomorrow if you make one better decision than you did today, and then the next day you make another decision. so th- suddenly over two days you've already got two better decisions, and each of those decisions will start to have a cumulative you know building effect on the but quality of your life.
0: They wa- weave themselves into your identity so yes. to speak I think yes. you know especially whereas you know it just it made me think when you were talking about you know you can go to Bali you can go you cupping you can do all those external things, but when you do yeah. things who, which still may be external but um, in a smaller um, way that you can adopt it as part of your lifestyle part of your whatever yeah and you sort of set yourself up to not fail and then yeah they become. The part of of who you are because if you're consistent, it's that kind of consistent thing and it's much easier to be consistent yeah. at those small chunks of things, um, whether it's yeah. you know training our thoughts or our, our actions, um, than it is to, you know, consistently go out and get cupping every week or whatever <laughs> whatever it is that you decide. Yeah. You know, there's those external, much bigger type of things which aren't perhaps yeah, where and then- the bigger work needs to happen
1: no exactly and these are not the glamorous things it's the mm. things the small decisions you make when no one is watching that determine the quality mm. of your life so there's so many people who are very good at doing the big things well yeah. you know they'll have the big yeah. the big events and you know they'll always look amazing and they'll look like their yeah. life so together and you'll talk to them privately at some point and you'll realize that the life that they're presenting to the world and their internal experience of life is are not in alignment that's quite different. and so it's so Small, small decisions okay. that you make on a daily basis when no one's watching. And so if you can learn to do those better, you'll st- suddenly start to create a new reality and a new new life for yourself. That, that is one that you can be really proud of because I think that's one of the hardest things for us as human beings, when there's a dislocation or disconnect mm. between who, who you are and how you present yourself mm. to the world. External. And that's mm. really painful because when, when pe- even when people celebrate who you are, if the presentation that they're celebrating is inauthentic you don't enjoy it when people say oh my god you're so kind you're so nice you're so lovely you do this you do that but inwardly you know you, you're harboring jealousy and frustration and you're bitter and resentful you can't enjoy people celebrating you because you know it's not really who yeah. you are yeah. you know there's this disconnect and it's so find finding a way to bring that balance and that um that, integration between who you are inwardly and your experience of life and how you present yourself outwardly. That seems that seems one of the, the most powerful skills you can learn in life to to actually really live a fulfilling and meaningful life.
0: I feel like I'm having a fantastic coaching at the moment. It's awesome. I hope everyone else is enjoying it as much as me. <laughs> one thing that I love about what we're talking about, um to me, mindfulness, um obviously meditation can be a part of that as well. Um, but and the running they're just accessible to everyone, yeah. you, know, you talked about the barley and the cupping and keep bringing that up, but yeah, to me they're not they're not accessible to everyone, like and no, whereas not and I'm not even saying that they're necessary they're necessary at all, um, but mindfulness and meditation and just having those conversations, working with your own thoughts. All of this, you can do it while you're standing in the queue at the supermarket. Putting yeah. going for a run, well, you probably better to do that not standing in the queue at the supermarket, but but it's still very accessible. You just have to open the front door and, and go out for a run. I wish more people understood that these tools were available to all of us. Yeah and use them. Like to me, I I feel really excited, but also quite disappointed that not enough people appreciate the value of what we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. And for for me, that very much comes back to stories and, and for a long time, because when I had my first experience of of what meditation could be and that Mm -hmm. spiritual experience, I was so amazed that there was these states of consciousness and being that existed inside me that were so joyful and so beautiful. Mm And I couldn't believe that we didn't talk about them more in our culture. And so mm. that was really shocking for me as a young person. And so, and, and over the years, I've seen, it's become more and more clear that the stories that our culture is telling us, are not stories that are leading to us flourishing in our block. Mm. And so I was, you could either look at that as, you know, incredibly disappointing and sad and demoralizing, mm-hmm. or I choose to look at it the other way. I I choose to look at it the way that, oh my God, stories then are so incredibly powerful that they have the ability to craft and and shape people's reality into either hell on earth or uh, some sort of utopia. Mm. And so I started to pay, this was probably seven, eight years ago, I started to become more and more conscious of the value of stories and the stories Mm. That we tell ourselves and the stories we yeah. carry around and the stories that we share with others because our culture is based on stories and our culture has a, mm-hmm. has a bunch of shared stories that perhaps we're not even aware of but as i said earlier a lot of the stories that we share in our culture are all based around external um, situations mm-hmm. and there's some stories that if you get your external situations put together in just the right way then you'll be allowed to be happy Mm. And, and we know that's patently untrue. And for, for any of us who've seen, you know, our parents or our grandparents yeah. worked incredibly hard, retired. And then for a lot of them, it didn't work out. The, the, the yeah. Wasn't what they were sold, you know, what was yeah. on the box, you know, the contents of the box was were What's different that? from the labels. Yeah. And so so there's, there's something about the stories that we're sharing and we're telling each other that needs to change. And so mm. if you and I think, that there's another story that we could tell that is perhaps more interesting and will perhaps help people get in better alignment with reality mm. and it will make them happier and healthier. We need to do our bit. And, and this is what you're doing. This is what your mm. podcast is doing here. You're sharing these stories with people. And all, all people need sometimes is a little bit of encouragement. Mm. And, and often, often the key thing is if you see someone who you know and is only – a few centimeters above you in, in life, you know, there's someone that you, you and them are basically at the same level and, and you see them start to, to act out some new behaviors and they have a new story and suddenly they start to seem happier and healthier and they start to do things that look happy and healthy and, and they start to interact with people in a happier and healthier way. You start to get really inspired because you're like, okay, that person, yeah. that's someone I know, and if they can change their life, like I can do that as well. I know that person, yes, like you yeah, know, exactly. they were where I was I six that. months ago, yeah. And so, so it's this really small scale, local, um, um, you know, grassroots campaign to change the world. That's the thing that's going to change the world. It's not by politicians, you know, (laughs) Doing it's not by the Ministry of Health doing a new (laughs) campaign, telling you all you need to lose weight. Like we know none of those things work, but we know that if you in your own way can make yourself a little bit better and a little bit happier and a little bit healthier, the people around you look at you and go, okay, that person, if they can do it, I know I can do it because they're not so different from me. So I think think that's the one thing that we need to all do is, is actually look around. And value the people around us and see when people are doing something good and sometimes all it takes is a little bit of encouragement if you can Mm -hmm. encourage someone you know near you who you see they're on that edge and and they can you can see that there's a willingness or there's an openness Mm -hmm. because that's the thing there's no point in in India they say um, when the student is ready the master will arrive yeah and it's like, there's no point going and telling someone, you know, who's still, you know, a hundred miles away from going from their first time, telling them you should run. That's what you need to do. Yeah. But if, if you, if you tell that person, <laughs> yeah. But if, if you tell someone who's, you know, just on that cusp, you know, those are the people that you're wanting to give that message to, because all they need yeah. is a little bit of a push and a little bit yeah. of encouragement. And so they'll, 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 they'll take that step. It's
0: almost like they should teach at school. You mentioned yeah. Explorer at the very beginning. That everybody has is interested in it and wants to be an explorer, but a self-explorer that exploring the best you that you can be, and that that's exciting. It's not. It's not a job. It's not a. It's actually it's, fun. I can, you know, your face lights up. It's a shame people can't see that when we're talking on the podcast. Yeah. It is, it it's It's like really, really exciting and I can feel it and I feel it yeah. from you and I, I have the same kind of journey, I think. And and yeah. I'm excited about that kind of self-exploration as well. Um, yeah. I think if, if, if more people, people were, it would be better. <laughs> yeah.
1: If people would really understand the depths that they have with them then. Because yeah. there's, there's, there's an idea in spiritual um, thinking that the whole universe can fit inside your heart. Mm. And it's like, what? Okay, this whole incredibly vast Expensive universe planet. with trillions of planets mm. and stars, this could all fit inside my own heart? Like, what does that really mean? Mm. And, and until you experience that yourself, it, it seems like some sort of you know abstract mm. um, idea that has no basis in reality. But it seems the more you start to dive inward and you start to explore the deepest parts of your being the more you find that that bit seems to go on and on and the Mm. more you start to realize that there's far more about you and there's far more the potential to the to who you could possibly be than you could perhaps ever ever imagine and 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 I I like to tell people that I, I tell them there really seems to be no true clear limit of, of what you how far you could expand yourself how far you could grow what you could possibly do mm. all of the limitations that we really find um, are really ones that we seem to impose on ourselves we yeah. think you know that's not possible you know mm-hmm. I can't do that and so when we start to sort of break through and break away from that sort of thinking that we start to find that all sorts of really incredibly interesting things are possible and and often it just takes you doing one new thing like you do one new thing you start running you're like oh my god I can change myself. And then you think, well, I've always wanted to learn a musical instrument. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I could do that. And next thing you know, you're you're learning the piano. Next thing you know, Mm -hmm. you're learning a new language. Next thing you know, you're doing. I mean, it seems that human beings are not specialist creatures. Like the Mm -hmm. one thing we have about us is that we have this amazing adaptability. We're not like a frog that can only live in one environment and Mm -hmm. needs a certain pH of the water and can only eat one. We can go anywhere in the world and we can thrive, which is incredible skill. And so I don't think we're the type of creatures that that should be focused intensely only on one activity through our journey through life. Mm. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that we celebrate in our culture is someone who's amazingly good at one small skill. You know, it Mm. might be they might be an amazing pianist or they might be an amazing brain surgeon or they might be an amazing them Very one dimensional, don't we? Yeah, we, we shut them down. We collapse them down to just this one aspect of their life. But the thing is, the person who's an amazing pianist, they also have a physical body, and they also need to exercise. So, you know, maybe they need to do that. And the person who's an amazing athlete, they also have a creative and expressive side. So, you know, maybe they need to do some creative writing, or they need to do some poetry, or maybe maybe they'd be an amazing pianist. Maybe they could learn to, to play the drums. So uh, I always encourage people to to not limit themselves to one field of endeavor. So mm. I, you know, I do a lot of running, but I also, I, my, my, I do coaching. I have a business where I sell world musical instruments, but I'm fascinated what? by instruments from different cultures. This is um, not gonna,
0: we can't, you know, we, we're going to need another podcast.
1: <laughs> and, um, you know, crazy. I travel to, to, to different countries and I love exploring different religions and different philosophical ideas, different cultural ideas. Mm. And so I don't, but some people may see me as, because they know me through the field of running and they may see yeah. me as a runner. But that's yeah. only one very small aspect of who I am. There's, yes. there's a lot more going on. And, and I'm always happy when we have a podcast because often we'll start off on running, but then it will get wildly more interesting for me personally because <laughs> running, I know, is just one part of who I am. And all of the other parts are equally valid, I think. And I want to be able to share, share this full version of who I am rather than sort of just a sort of a, a caricature.
0: Of of myself. I love it because, I mean, as you know, I probably opened up the door from the very beginning by telling you that this is also about mindfulness. So it opened up the door to all of the other juicy stuff that that you've been able to share, which has been amazing, but I have kept you two hours already. So I'm very rude. Um, I've just learned so much. Um, There's lots of questions I usually ask people about their running, but um, I'm not sure that I need to ask them a few at the moment. Otherwise, you know, we'll probably take another two hours. Um, what I did want to ask is what are you excited about for your running in the, I don't want to say future, a long, long time away, but in the sort of near future? What are your goals at the moment?
1: So what I'm really excited about is using running as, as a way to to travel and explore. And so yep. for me, multi-day running is, is very very interesting because it's the way I can use my fitness and my strength to get out and, and, and explore places and, and have connections and experiences but um, I did a famous pilgrimage route in Japan um, in 2019 called the Kumano Kodo which is the famous um, Shinto pilgrimage route and so I ran three different versions of that over a week and I had such a wondrous time connecting the exploring, um, culture, religion, um, my running and so I think every year I'll definitely spend some time So I'm, I'm out here at the, in Europe at the moment. So um, I've got a friend and we're going to run around um, Mont, uh, Monte Rosa in Italy at some point soon. And then I'll probably head down to Balkans, and I'll do some, some running on some of the long distance trails. Yeah. And, and just trying to have those experiences where my life is incredibly simple. So yeah. when I simplify, simplify my life, it allows me to be really present and really mindful, which I really enjoy. And so Mm. when your whole focus of the day is running from one point to the next, your life becomes incredibly simple. Mm -hmm. You know, you have whatever small amount of possessions you have on your back, your, your focus is on, you know, eating, drinking,
0: sleeping, um, moving. Multi-day hiking. Haven't done multi-day. Exactly. So So I understand
1: that. That it's uh, it's the exact same thing. And then being able to Mm. share that with, with other people. So, Mm. Um, I'll be heading to India um, in September and I'll definitely be doing um, some multi-day runs through the Himalayas. And for me, that's just that's just wildly fascinating and beautiful because the history and the culture is so long and so deep up there. And the mountains of the Himalayas are full of sadhus and holy men and, and people that I find very interesting, people who have really devoted themselves to the inner journey and playing their inner game, So people I feel a resonance with. So, yeah, so there's, there's a lot, there's, uh, yeah, every year I have a lot to do. Like, I, I know my life, the end of my life is fast approaching, so I choose to live each year as though this could be my last. Yeah. So this year, I'm, my journey I'm on at the moment, I'm, I'm away for five months. And, um, yeah, I've already had so many unbelievable and beautiful experiences. Oh, yeah. and I'm sure I'll have plenty more. And, and, yeah, and then then next year, we'll continue again until, until I can't do this anymore. Do you journal? No, I don't. I'm very fortunate and blessed. I have a very good um, memory. So yeah. especially key experiences and key moments. But so for me, after I go on a big journey, there'll be two or three key stories that really encapsulate some of the yeah. key experiences from the journey. And then I'll tell those to people. So then yeah. over the next six story. months... Hmm. I'll come home and I'll tell stories to people. And so then they get really embedded. So it's like a rapid, it's more like, I come more like from a tradition of an oral culture, like an oral storytelling culture. And so if you look at, say, the Bedouin nomads of the Sahara Desert, for them, the storyteller was the most important person in the tribe because he kept the stories of the tribe alive. And had a famous saying for the Bedouins that you can tell the beauty of a man by the eloquence of his tongue. Mm. And so I really resonate with these sorts of people. I spend a lot of time out in the Sahara and I love that place. But these, these people, they value these stories and the information that they carry on. And so I'm, I'm kind of trying to carry on in, in, in my modern Western way, in mm. the modern Western world, this, the storytelling. And, and through my job and my shop, I have the, the music stories. As I said people come in do. and people people who come in are interested in different things so we have singing bowls from tibet and gongs oh, from wow. china and sitas from india and you know everything under the sun and and so it's a great environment for sharing stories and <laughs> just and I have knowledge. so many and,
0: questions i'm sorry <laughs> so it's terrible how do you have a shop and travel the world <laughs> that so you need you need you need some good
1: friends who, can, who Ex- can help look after the store when you're not there
0: excellent and is that shop in christchurch
1: it is, yes. There you go. Yes, it's called it's called Gandhava Loka, the world music store. And so Gandhava Loka means the abode of the celestial musician. Does it so have a, a website?
0: It does, yes. Oh, there you go. Um, I was going to say it later, but I'll say it right now. Um anything like any uh, links and things and people want to be able to connect with you we can put all of that in the show notes so obviously i can put the shop <laughs> link in there but Thanks. also you know you've mentioned that you do coaching and things as well just as a side so um, we can put those details in there too if people want to contact you in that way right. if people want to follow you as an athlete what's the best way to do that
1: well, I've, I've, I've taken a very conscious decision to step away from all social media. So I, I, used I noticed. As a nod towards my sponsors, I did have an athlete page on Facebook, um, which is still up, um, but I yeah. don't update that anymore. Because I, I've really seen the value of trying to live as intentionally as possible. And yeah. so the, the ways and the, the, the activities that I partake in and the things I give energy to I really want to make sure they align with my highest values, and yeah. and I see so much trouble and strife in the world coming from social media that I can't mm-hmm. say that that resonates with me as, as something that I want to be putting more and more energy into. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm trying to trying to live my life intentionally and in alignment with my values and my beliefs and my aims. Yeah. And so I choose choose not to, um, yeah, play those games.
0: It's all right. You can share with me any other links that you think people. Yeah, might want like websites and things. Um, how yep. long bef- before we wrap up? How long do you think you'll run for? I think I'll run forever as, as long as my
1: until until my body can no longer support me in that way, and then I mm. think I'll get out and do long walking because I think there's yeah. something. It's that type of bipedial ambulation, as I like to call it, which is the technical <laughs> term for two-legged movement. Walking. there's something about it that's, that's so right. ancient and, and connects us back to, to our forefathers and you know our yeah, ancient very grounding like this this is really like the type of creature we are we're the type of mm-hmm. creatures that get out and cover long distances by foot on a daily basis Yeah. and so when I do that I feel in alignment with 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 some thousands of years of human mm-hmm. evolution and history and and it mm-hmm. seems like this is the type of creature we are so so I, I think one of the big Problems we suffer with is this, as I said before, this kind of dislocation where we, although we came out of this world, we feel like we're a stranger in it. Mm. And and part of that is our self-aware consciousness. And there's a lot to be said about that. But but trying to find ways that we can feel more at home back in the world. And I think trying to remember the type of beings and creatures we are. That that for me is something that I can do on a daily basis. If I can get out and be in nature and move in nature, that makes me feel more connected and more. It feels feels like yeah, it's grounding me in a way that not many other things
0: do mm, i love that i feel really drawn to going to do you know a number of the different pilgrimage pilgrimage trails that they have around the world yeah. for a similar kind of yeah. reasons like it's a, a way yeah. to move through those cultures and through the yeah the landscape and the and be grounded there as well and yeah. explore another exploring sort of thing but
1: one day yeah maybe maybe we'll pass each other one day on the camino oh. de santiago or we're yes, hitting around amazing. the Mount Kailash um, circuit up in um,
0: the Himalayas. Who knows? Oh, beautiful. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, now, a question that I ask everyone is: What do you think yes. your life would have been like had you not started running?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as 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 we know from the yeah. earlier discussions, that, that running has provided you know some some key moments both you know in the negative and a positive sense and even even the negative moments when i look back on them now they're incredibly key moments so Mm -hmm. so i don't think my life would be the same in any way um without that experience of running and so i'll always be incredibly grateful for this one that's one thing as well is why i'm really for me it's really important to keep a healthy relationship with my running because i've gained so much and it's given me so much that I never want to find myself in a position where I start to hate this activity. Mm. Because I know if I start to hate it, it's, it's not the running that's the problem, it's me that's the problem. Mm. And so I, I'm really conscious of that, not pushing the running in a way that makes it feel unnatural and, and takes away my enjoyment from it. Mm. So I still do hard things, but I think one of the key things you can learn about running is how to do hard things in the easiest way possible. Yeah. So you want to get yourself in alignment because you can always make a hard thing worse. Like, if you're doing a hard thing, like running up a big hill, true. you could be complaining every step of the way and moaning and you're making it worse for you and worse for everyone around true. you. So it seems one of the skills running can teach us is, is how to do hard things um, in the most elegant and, and smooth way possible. Yeah, so,
0: yeah I love that. It's awesome. Um, all right. Before we wrap up, can you give yes. me some tips for beginner runners? Do people come to you and ask you how they start running? And if they don't, what would you say if they didn't?
1: So key things for me is, is getting off on the right foot. And so mm-hmm. starting by having a positive relationship with running. Yeah. And, and some, some of the, that is the self-talk that you have. And so I would be very careful, especially if I was starting running again, because uh, sometimes the, the language we use around running is really unhelpful. Mm. So if you hear people talking about a big race or something, they'll talk about you know the pain cave or the hurt locker yeah. or get on the pain the train. And it was it was a It was all this very violent yes. you know language. Yep. I'd say no, that that doesn't have to be like that, it's because you can have the same experience, but it's how you choose to frame it that's important. Yes, it's the intention that you put into it. So I think starting your relationship with running and, and reminding yourself that I like I always remind myself I love running. And like sometimes when mm-hmm. I'm running, I'll just use that as a mantra. I'll just say, I love running. I love running. I love mm-hmm. my life. I love running. I'll think of different things that I can uh, that I love and that I'm grateful for. And so trying to keep that positive mindset in your running because what, what I try try and look at it is is intensity. So when you start running the intensity is really high. Like your fitness mm. isn't so good. And so your body's working at a really high mm. intensity to move you forward. And so you can either frame that as being pain and suffering and hurt, or you can say, okay, this is just purely intensity. And, and it doesn't mean anything because the thing at the end of the day, it's just feedback from your body mm. and it's up to us to put some meaning on it. So I would say when you get out there and start running, instead of having these negative, you know, violent, language towards running yeah. have some more gentle and soft you know embrace embrace the intensity because there will yeah. be some moments where the intensity gets like but it doesn't have to be a bad thing it's up to you to choose yes. whether it's something that you frame as a negative or a positive yeah. because that intensity you're experiencing is the intensity with, which is going to transform your body it's like when you want a piece of coal to turn into a diamond it needs incredible intense pressure mm-hmm. to change to that piece difference. of coal into mm-hmm. diamond. And so it's the same with you. At the moment, you're the lump of coal, we could say. Mm-hmm. You know, as a beginning runner, you know, you're not the finished product. And so you need to keep putting some pressure on yourself. And that's not a bad thing. That pressure is the thing that's going to turn you into a dime. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid of it. Don't have, don't have a, you don't have to have a negative relationship with it. It can be something that's incredibly positive because it's incredibly transformative. Yeah. So I love that, that. that's something I could offer that's probably slightly different than what other people might say.
0: Yeah, it is. Like it's not about shoes. Um, <laughs> although your sponsor is a shoe person, a shoe company. Um, yeah, I, uh, there's a thing to do with pain uh, for me that I've been through with the mindfulness stuff, and that is just accepting yeah. that. The yeah. pain is there, and and yeah. that the pain, well, it comes and goes actually. And yeah. if you focus on it, you seem to get more of it. If you just let it yeah. be, it just it just yeah. is, and yeah, it will come and go of its own. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's just making that that distinction: is this a pain I should pay attention to, or is it just my body yeah. at the moment saying, "Hey, I'm a bit grumpy that we're doing this today," and then it just gets over it. Yeah, that's what my body does. And anyway. yeah. Hmm.
1: I, I always, um, I, I've got a saying that I like that the only way out is through. And so yeah. when you start a run, the only way to get out of that run, unless you want to just completely quit, or if you're going to do a big race, the only way out of that experience is going through that experience. Yeah. And so especially people who do long hard races, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about because yeah. there becomes a point where you start to question: Am I willing to pay the price to get through this experience? But yeah. but I always I always I always think it's nice to, to remember that when you're finding it really challenging and really difficult and the intensity is really, really high, the only way out of that experience is going through that experience. Like yeah. as soon as you mentally try and check out and start wishing you were somewhere else doing something else, that's when you really start suffering. Because mm. if I'm at kilometer 80 in a hundred kilometer race and I've got a big mountain to climb up and I start wishing I was at home, on the yeah. couch, eating a bag of chips, like, how is that helping me? The, yeah. the, 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 the sort of the, the contrast is so great between yeah. what I wish I was doing and what I am doing that it causes so much friction and pain that for me, the only option is, 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 the, is, is the only way mm-hmm. out of this experience is go through it. So like, mm-hmm. the, and this, it's funny, the more I dive into it and the more I accept it and the less I resist it, the less painful it is. Exactly. So I think a lot of that pain is coming from, some part of you wishing you weren't there and you wishing you were having some other experiences yeah. and resisting it. So yeah. if you can embrace it as fully as possible, it may seem terrifying. It's like, it's like when the drop goes into the ocean, the drop is first of all, terrified that it's going to lose itself in the ocean. But the thing is, it's like you, you know, if you're diving into the intensity of that experience, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I don't know if I can handle this. It's, it's too much. But you dive into that experience and, and you, you expand yourself. It's like you become yeah. the ocean. You become something much faster. That pain and intensity can seem terrifying, but you dive into it and you actually come through it and you realize it's not as terrifying as you thought it was. And mm-hmm. you actually find that you expand into something that's much more interesting. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. Thank you for that analogy. Had never thought of it like that. I have heard people say things like um, they're so self-aware and enough that they know if they give up at that, you know, with 20Ks to go, that yeah. example you gave, that they were going yeah. to be in miserable for days and weeks with themselves because yeah. they gave up. Yeah. Like, So they're so self-aware that they know yeah. that the pain yeah. later will be even worse than the pain that they're going yeah. through just to get to that at the end. I thought was yeah. also <laughs> kind of valid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> totally no no there's, there's many ways of looking and i always try and dig down to the the, yeah. the, the very deepest possible ways that currently mm. i can i can talk about things mm. and and the thing is i talk about things so differently than i did five years ago and hopefully in five yeah. years i'll also talk about things I differently because yeah. i i want to keep progressing i want to keep learning and i want to keep open to to seeing new and and more full pictures of reality
0: mm. more clarity but all you'll never never see all of it because this this journey is not it. ending. <laughs> and That's unfortunately, this podcast needs to end for you. Yes, um, it does. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Don't jump off straight away because I also got to go through a couple of things um, off the recording. Okay. But I've just been—it's been an amazing um, journey that you've taken me on, and I really appreciate you sharing your time with me and with everyone who'll get to hear this. So thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. it's a great opportunity for me when when you've thought about things and you've discovered a few things that might be useful for someone else the greatest gift you can have is the opportunity to share those with others Mm. so you've allowed me that opportunity and for that I am very grateful
0: it's my pleasure thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast I'd love to talk to you about your running journey send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it I also wanted to let you know that I've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website, along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.